a fun song. Never amazes me what the, the band will do next. Keeping us on our toes. But uh, great words, if we really mean them. Because, you know, sometimes it's a lot uh, harder than it looks. It seems like an easy, well, I'll follow Jesus. It seems like an easy statement, an easy life. But I'm afraid at times, sometimes it's like... uh, a couple of you know all too well in the last couple of weeks. Looks like a plumbing project, you know? The water's just stopped up, right? Just, just need to get in that pipe and just remove whatever it is that's in, in the way, right? And then you get, remove that and the water will just go right on through. You had one of those projects, you know, you couldn't really see what was going on under the floor. You couldn't really see what was going on behind the wall, but you just sort of figured it's an easy enough project. It looks really easy at first. And it turns into an unplanned bath remodel and a new home equity loan. (laughs) Literally. To say that we're going to follow Jesus, oftentimes, every time, actually, looks a whole lot easier at first. As we'll see in our passage today, to follow the ways of God, we will face direct opposition, challenges, struggles. To follow the way of God. It may look simple. Wherever he goes, I will follow. Even has a fun little beat to it. But in the reality of our lives, what I need you to hear is to follow Jesus is difficult. It is hard. It is humanly impossible. But as we follow him, it will get harder and harder even. Our passage today is in Ezra chapter 4. And if you've been following along as we've been walking through Ezra and Zechariah, the um, Israelites, they've been taken out of Jerusalem. They'd been dragged to Babylon where there they were, they were slaves and servants. And, and now God has freed them up and about 70 years later, so around there, and sent them back to Jerusalem to do God's bidding. And they, they have to rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem because they, there they have to reinstitute the, the sacrifices because Israel is the place that is the salvation of the world. And they need to get back so that there God will visit in Jesus. But this is all part of that preparation, all part of God's rescue operation, exactly what God wants them to do. They are doing it. They've rebuilt the altar and they've, they've rebuilt the foundation and now it's time to rebuild the temple 
itself. And this is what we find in Ezra chapter 4, starting verse 1, 1 through 5, found on page 368 in your pew Bible. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. It speaks to us and leads us and guides us, warns us, teaches us, prepares us, so that indeed we will follow Jesus without turning back. In his name we pray. Amen. Ezra chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of families and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of King Esarhaddon of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of families in Israel said to them, You shall have no part with us in building a house to our God. But we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus of Persia has commanded us. Then... The people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. And they bribed officials to frustrate their plan throughout the reign of King Cyrus of Persia and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then the rest of the chapter, just some of the ways that they bribed, some of the ways that they wrote letters and had interaction with the the powers that be so as to, to scare the Israelites and prevent them from doing what God was calling them to do. Now, I want you to notice here in the beginning of the passage, it was the adversaries. So the, the writer Ezra's telling us these, these guys may be saying one thing, but they mean something else. This, this is more trick than treat, the offer that they're making to the Israelites to come help them. And we see by their, the ultimate actions that are made that as they are... As the enemies are told, no, you can't help us. This is what we need to do. Cyrus is the one that gave us this charge. Just those that have come back from exile currently are to carry this out. So you can't help us. So then that group then organized an opposition to scare them, to oppose them, to frustrate their efforts. And for a little while, they succeeded. What I need you to see clearly is that as we follow the way of God, that is not a guarantee that life will then go smoothly. It's maybe a natural tendency of ours that if we're doing the the way of the Creator, then that means life should go be easier, right? It should be downhill both ways as we're following the way of God. But I want you to be clear from this passage and others that that is never guaranteed. Matter of fact, just the opposite. I mean, it would make sense. Sort of like, I mean, it's the way other things work. The more we do them, we get better at them. The more closely we follow Jesus, it's actually just the opposite, I believe. 
The more closely we follow Jesus, the harder it is to live in this life in respect, honor, and obedience to him. The closer we follow him, the more difficult it becomes. We, we see that recently even in a, a global scale. Just a couple weekends ago was the, the third conference on world evangelization, the Lausanne Conference on World Evangelization, where probably this, this gathering in Cape Town, South Africa, was historically the, the largest, most diverse gathering of Christian leaders in the history of the church. And they were from every nation gathered in South Africa in order to to discuss, to pray about, to pursue how do we continue to get the message of Jesus around the world. I mean, is there a more significant task than to bring the church together so as to, to ask how do we do this? And yet, they faced serious opposition and struggles. There were 10 leaders from the church in China who were refused visas at the airport on the day they were leaving. The government just said, no, you can't go. And the, the, the work of this conference was, was to be broadcast on the Internet to over 650 sites around the world so that the, uh, so that the message would also get out to, to many others than even just those leaders who were able to get to Cape Town. And for the first 24, 36 hours, that uh, system uh, on the web, on the Internet, was maliciously attacked by outside forces so that that word, that um, global connection couldn't be made. As we are following the ways of God, there will be opposition. In this passage, it's clearly opposition of of the, the ways of the world, opposition of others. But if if we look throughout the scriptures, we're told in 1 John, there's really an unholy trinity that opposes the way of Christ. Our own sinful nature within us, the the ways of the world, which is really sort of the the compilation of a bunch of sinners together and the system that that creates. And then thirdly, the devil himself, the evil one. In, In each of those cases, each of those are directly opposed to the glory of God. I mean, in our sinful nature, our, my natural tendency within my sinful nature is to pursue my own safety, my own security, my own fame, my own fortune. Now, the reason for which I was created was for God's fame, God's fortune, for what the Bible calls God's glory. And the ways of the world work similarly. The ways of the world are for the world's safety and security and fame and fortune and not for God's. And the devil himself, that's the very thing that he opposes in everything that can be done. He opposes the fame, the fortune, the very glory of God. So as we 
truly follow Jesus. As we, as we sang, we follow Jesus. No looking back. The reason they say that is because there will be times that we will be going directly against the grain. We will be in a huge headwind and it will be a whole lot easier just to turn around and let the sail carry us that way. But there's no turning back. But I want you to know, and we need to be reminded every once in a while, that to follow Jesus is difficult. Now, I know it's a little bit of a paradox, because, but it's a biblical paradox. It's a biblical tension. Because Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. But he also says, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. For those who follow me, he promises persecution and joy and glory. So, so not to compartmentalize it too much because it, it's a, a, a something just to be held in tension, not to be figured it out, not for us to figure it out. But in our soul, in our spirit, we know that we are in tune with God through Christ. And so it is well with our soul. We are at ease. We are at peace, no matter the circumstances. But in our decaying body, in a world that is still, for some reason, God lets evil work in the midst of what He is doing, we face challenges, oppositions, and struggles as we seek to follow Him. So I know it was a couple of weeks ago when we were just had one service you know, a Sunday with the congregational meeting. And there challenged us and, and reminded us and celebrated the fact that, yes, we are committed. That, that you and, and I, we're, we're committed together. We are committed together to follow the way of Jesus. How Jesus wants us to, to rebuild the temple, to, to do His work, to be a house for of His work here. That the temple that he wants us to build at this place, at this time of his ministry now, we're committed. We're committed personally. We're committed financially. We're committed spiritually. But I, I want you to know, maybe I, I didn't really do a good job then uh, because I ran out of time. But I want you to know that that commitment will mean challenge and opposition and struggle and even pain. Because as we are committed truly to being a church without walls, His church without walls, if we're committed to connecting with one another in Jesus, no matter what our differences, if we're rich or poor, no no matter if we are black or white, old or young, no matter if we're coordinated or uncoordinated, no matter if we're cool or uncool, no matter if we're fun or a real drag, it doesn't matter if we are connected in Jesus. If He is the one that brings us together, Him and Him alone, and in this election season, even Democrat, Republican, and Independent that come together in Jesus, don't you know that brings the heart of God joy and glory and fame and fortune? And those forces that oppose the way of God will oppose that commitment at every chance. So if we're committed to connecting in Jesus, no matter our differences, know that that's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. But we're committed to it because we know that's what brings glory because that's the picture of heaven where every nation, tongue, and tribe gather 
at the throne. As we are committed to serving the world like Jesus did, as we're committed to serving others that, that don't deserve it, that never will pay us back, that they don't even want it at times. If we're committed to serving like Jesus serves us, like Jesus serves the world, know that that brings pleasure to the heart of God, that that is the very glory of God as we gather together serving in the name of Jesus. And those forces that oppose the way of God will oppose us as we seek to fulfill that commitment. As we seek to serve the world like Jesus in word or deed. There will be challenges that will come our way. Opposition. That will lead us, tempt us the same way that the Israelites were tempted there. To frustrate us. To cause fear. To do anything but to lead us to faith. To cause us to to live according to fear, cynicism, frustration, anger, sadness, instead of faith. And what happened with the Israelites is it ended up being quite a delay through a, a few election cycles in Persia from one couple kings until then they were emboldened enough to resume the building. As I said two weeks ago, I say with you now, I'm committed with you. I'm committed with you to, to, to be that church without walls that I believe God's calling us to be, that the leadership of this church senses God is calling us to be, no matter what the opposition no matter what the struggle, no matter what the pain might be, it's just I, we need to realize that this is not a cakewalk. But this is something that we're committed to because we know the end of the story. We know the ultimate victory that God has. We, we know that the, the temple we're building here is really just a temporary temple of ministry that God has for us to do here that one day will be fulfilled in the fullness of His presence upon Jesus' return. And that's why we gather to celebrate every Sunday. We gather to to celebrate not because, not only because it's good for us as a community to gather, not because it's psychologically healthy, but we gather so that we are reminded, yes, Jesus is the one who has already won the victory. We gather to celebrate the the heavenly truth that God indeed is in control. It's not that He will be in control or that one day He was, but that He is in control even now, even when the opponents cause fear and frustration within us. We gather to remind ourselves, to be reminded and to celebrate, no, God is in control, so we will continue to be committed to the ways of Jesus, no matter what opposes us. So I want us to regroup a little bit after a couple weeks ago and restate, re-engage, and remake that commitment. That yes, we are committed. We're, We're committed personally. 
We are committed financially. We are committed spiritually to the way that God is leading us so that we rebuild the work of ministry that God is doing for us and in us and through us today. But we recognize that the more we follow Jesus, it will be more difficult. And that's why we're committed to him no matter what the cost.